Hello, welcome to Waiting for Game, a special uh, horse voice edition. I'm your host, Give Me That Wheat, and uh, with me today as my co-host, my good friend, Melee's first bee jumper, we've got Edwin Budding. What is going on, Edwin? Uh, not much, man. I'm doing pretty well. Um, one thing I want to really quickly mention is that I appreciate you, not just in general and for uh, hosting the show and everything, but for actually, in spite of a horse voice, leading the intro. Um, I, I want to say that um, I definitely think this docks me a few spots on the wheat friend ranking, or maybe I'm just the kind of person, maybe maybe I just have things like that. You never even offered to do the intro, man. Yeah, exactly. That, that's what I'm saying. I, I feel no, it's, like the... it's okay, man. I, I would not have relinquished this. This is like the one thing I've got going. So yeah. I got to right. do the intros. <laughs> yeah, but with, with <laughs> that out of the way, we're going to go to another person who is quickly <laughs> rising up the ranks of the wheat friend list and the Edwin friend list. Unsubstantiated. Um, yeah radar um we have a or we have a commentator radar we have a content creator a um you know someone i've worked with very hard for an upcoming uh who wants to be a millionaire um content piece for battle vc i'm really excited to have him with us on the show radar how you doing i'm doing good i'm always down to hop on the podcast especially this podcast um you know just like chatting about melee especially with people that i enjoy chatting with about other things of course so yeah i'm definitely looking forward to it i did say this when we started like definitely kind of a little migrainey so uh mm. not feeling super great but we like like you i'm kind of pushing on so yeah oh man. well the show must go on the show now, speaking go of shows on. you mentioned that uh you like being on this podcast especially what other podcasts have you been on i want to i want to know like how we rank what other podcasts have i been on i mean i guess just my own i I feel like I oh, I was on Battle on the Smash Mountain. Okay. And then, like, I think I was on one other one that I'm forgetting. Hmm. Might just be those three, though. Like, uh, so I, I think a, a good question to have about these sorts of podcasts, though, is based on the ones that you've been on, who do you think does the most amount of research, typically? <laughs> what kind of question is that? One of them is mine. <laughs> like... Yeah. So, so, I mean, like, there's the Mix Up, there's Radio Melee, then there's Waiting for Game. Uh, where does, uh, if you had to guess, where does Waiting for Game like rank in terms of doing doing its research? It's probably probably pretty high up there, given the format. Mm, you would think. Yeah, you would think so. <laughs> you would think. Uh, Edwin, no need to harp on it. I think uh, YouTube comments for our latest episode are positive. We we beat the allegations. We we beat the not as good as Radio Melee allegations. Which, by the way, allegations that I I do believe in. I don't think we're as good as Radio Melee. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's it's almost funny because you're saying that we beat the allegations, but the but the fact that I'm bringing up again after we already won is kind of like it's like a self own, right? It's almost in the parlance of Edwin, we we have been owned. Yeah. Hey, Radar, I've got a quick question for you before we get into everything. So we love, you know, in the melee community, we love rankings of all sorts, right? We um, love to talk about oh, who's the number one character in melee, right? What's the like, who's the top eight? Like, where's Falcon? Where's... Yeah, we talk about all this. We, of course, especially on this show, we talk about what's who's top five, you know? Who's top ten? What does this look like? You also are no stranger to rankings. I know that there is a very famous ranking that you put out online. Uh, this is with your fiancé. And do you want to go into this? Do you want to explain what this is, or should I explain this to the audience? Are we still doing this bit? Is this I don't bit... think it's a bit. I... I... 
I feel like this is of such urgency that we must address the controversy that all the people are waiting for. It's really very important, right? There's no other reason I'd bring it up at the beginning of the show. I think that like <laughs> we'd be doing our audience a disservice if we waited for any other portion of the show. I think it has to be up front. So do you want to go over it or should I? I think you can go over it. I'd like to hear your your take on it. Sure. So you and your fiance, very cute thing to do. You uh, came together to make a ranking of fruit. You know, everyone loves fruit. We all have our opinions. Um, mm. I think there were a couple tiers. You know, you had your, of course, you know, haven't tried or something like that. Uh, but we have like S plus, S, A, B, C, D or whatever. Um, now, there is a very interesting pick. Not only is this number one, this is consensus number one. This is the only pick in S plus tier. Do you want to say what it is? Uh, yeah, it was it was lemons uh, were S plus. Mm-hmm. Um, the rationale being that on top, they, they basically they cover like every area of food, right? Like they they're good in dessert. They're good in drinks. They're good in like cocktails. They're good in in um, just kind of general baking. They're great in cooking. The only thing that they're not good at is like just straight up like biting into one. But like because literally every other category, like I kind of just there's so many things and they actually like have utility too. you. You can cook with them and they like they can really change a recipe. That was the rationale. Um, I think there's so many things that I like that are like lemony flavor. I mean, it's even used in like fucking cleaning products, you know, so it's it's, sure. it's just like, hey, it's using a lot of stuff. If, if you're talking about favorite fruit, oh you got to talk about cleaning products. <laughs> so the question is, because you've got very sound logic here question is why are limes so far down then okay so he's we talked about this before i I like that i get to talk about this again so if you listen to everything i just said and then you put you put that against limes um and keep in mind like you know i have a less passionate opinion than my fiance does on this but like backing down already (laughs) yeah throwing a mirror is literally in the background saying there's lemons in tonight's dinner just fyi (laughs) so so um yeah limes just like they don't they don't do the things that lemon does as well like lemonade versus limeade which which one's better like i would say lemonade like a leading question i mean you talk about cocktails lime is king in cocktails sure that's one category where i would say it is probably better but like when you get a bad tie what do you get get yeah i was gonna say i prefer i prefer lime and thai food oh you get you just got some uh tacos al pastor they come out in the little, you know, the corn tortillas. They come out. What's next to them? A couple limes. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, if I may, uh, if I may say so, Radar. Though to give you credit, you are correct. I think lemon has quite a bit of utility in it. You mentioned it beautifully that you use it to, you know, cook food in. You use it as like a topping on things. Yeah, that you know that all makes sense. What I'm wondering is if this if this utility based approach to organizing food if this applies in other areas right or if like if it wouldn't stand out right like if someone said oh you know like i'm making a uh, i'm making a tier list of my favorite uh, foods to have for dinner and uh ketchup is ketchup is number one in a tier on its own or tomatoes on in a tier of its own would that uh now i, I wonder like did you see something like that and you thought to yourself my god maybe this could work with fruits or did you truly come up with this utility-based approach to food? Because I really think it could be groundbreaking. 
I never know how to respond to your weird bits, <laughs> you know, like, it's like, okay, I, I don't know. I do think if I were to see a food, it, well, if we did a vegetable tier list, um, you know, or, or fruit tier list and we had tomato, like tomatoes a fruit, right? Isn't it? Uh, you know, the definition of fruits and vegetables are all very confusing. I don't believe vegetable is actually a term that is used in science, right? I believe it's a, that. It's a group of roots and tubers and starches and other things. Um, but yeah, the, you know, the common thing is that if it has seeds, it's a fruit, right? Cucumbers, a fruit, technically. I like that the chat is weighing in. All I will say, because I did think this was quite funny, is to contextualize it for people who are just now hearing about this, very long running joke about this lemon thing. It's, it's, not, a, it's, very it's not a joke. It's, it's very serious. It's very serious. Is we were, I was at dinner with my, uh, yeah, fiance's father, so my future father-in-law, and he completely like, like I don't even think it was like provoked in any way. Just starts talking about how lemons are like, like such a versatile fruit, and that if if you were to like, they got to be one of the best fruits, you know. Like he just he just starts like going on a rant about how good lemons are and i was like everything makes sense now like i'm understanding where this is coming from i'm understanding you know the influence i lived under that roof for a little while so clearly i was indoctrinated um but yeah it was quite funny radar so. what if i told you that it was not as uh innocuous as it seems <laughs> it wasn't serendipity and we have him on the show today and we're gonna get into this now course not here's here's one thing that i want to talk about is that i think that the lack of being able to eat it on its own really does hurt it right utility is great but there are a lot of foods of fruits that are you know do have utility that you can just pick up and eat right you know you can put banana a lot of things um and you can just eat a banana on its own i i think in my mind what like toes that line what what splits the difference between very versatile and easy to eat on its own i think is something that i have to say mango and of course mango is also a melee player who's going to be at battle of bc for this coming weekend radar you are uh you know i think that you started off as uh east canada is that true but but now you're you're bc yeah i was so originally your grounds i was originally an ontario person i do still very much feel like like I, I feel like a fraud when it comes to BC, I think, because like because of a variety of different reasons, I just haven't been as uh active, like directly in the local BC smash scene. You know, like a lot of it more recently was because of COVID. Before then it was because of kind of brain injury stuff. And so yeah, you know, like I still definitely kind of the times where I was going to like multiple locals a week or going to locals every week was more in Ontario than BC. However, I'm still like, still rep BC as my region now. I still uh, like the people in the BC scene a lot. Um, and I think, I think a lot of people who go to Battle of BC will be in for a treat um, with like, you know, this weekend. There's a lot of people like someone like Blur comes to mind as, as someone who said always wanted to go, but never went. I think there's a lot of people like that who have heard good things, but haven't actually had a chance to, to kind of check out Vancouver or check out that scene. So I'm really ahead of time, hoping it lives up to those expectations. Unfortunately, the weather is not looking good. It's going to be like really weirdly cold. And I can already I can already see Americans going like, whoa, it's so cold here in Canada. Like, so but who Canada would do that? Beating right? the cold allegations. And this isn't your first battle, BC, right? 
this isn't your first battle of BC? No, I actually um yeah, sorry. I I went to two and three, I believe. Um definitely I've been I've been to at least two, so it has to be two and three. I wasn't at one. Yeah, it's it's one of those things um where like you, you we've talked about it on here before. Um kind of like a buyer's market we that fits into that but battle of bc is something where it seems to give this really great uh experience for the people who go and it's things like this it's like what used to be full bloom what is now battle of bc stuff tournaments like these that um two different series and may, i made it sound like the same series i'm just saying full bloom isn't around right now um but like they're they're series that start really really small and if you look at the first one it's just like completely different than what it grows up to be but uh stuff like this that's the stuff that i i like have faith in because when they are able to start small and people go to the first one and it's just like a small thing and they say i want to go to the next one that snowballs and then suddenly people just keep saying they want to go to it and then we get situations like this where there are uh five or six top 10 players you know wizzy and cody dropped out there would have been even more stuff like that edwin i know that uh you've never been this has been kind of something where i feel like this is a, a next year tournament for us right everything yeah, it's like absolutely. oh next year we'll go it just hasn't been on the cards <laughs> what yeah, uh, yeah what do you think about lbc yeah, it, so, so funny you asked that because I was going to actually ask Radar another question about, like, the series sort of, like, historically where it's trending and everything. So, like, whenever I look at Smash events that go from being, you know, regionals with a couple, like, or with, like, two or three really amazing out-of-state or out-of-region talent coming and how it kind of, like, climbs up to being a major, um, every time I look at that, I always try to think, like, what makes this tournament different from other ones, right? And this is across the gamut of re regionals, nationals, majors, whatever you want to call them, right? So the question I want to ask to you is, like, if Smash Camp's thing is exactly what it sounds like as a as kind of like a tournament that you go to hang out with your buddies, like a camping trip with a melee tournament attached to it, if the Big House and Genesis kind of have their place in the scene as, like, the super-duper premier, you know, competitive, historical Super majors. What do you think Battle of BC does uh, differently from the other majors, or what do you think is its unique? What do you think is the unique? And I'm saying this because we said the words buyer's market. What do you think is the unique ROI that comes from Battle of BC? <laughs> we got to get our uh, catchphrases yeah. in in early. <laughs> yeah, like I think the thing is, is I don't feel like there's any specific thing right now that makes battle of bc kind of like you know there's there's not not to call it like a gimmick but something like smash campus is very unique experience you know it's like it's something that sets it apart from every other tournament um i wouldn't say battle of bc is like that i think the reason maybe like if this answers the question the reason i think battle of bc is where it is now mm -hmm. is largely because like kevin deer has an attitude of kind of like always sort of wanting to outdo himself and out and you have and you know and, and of course his team uh each kind of iteration which is something a lot of tos uh share and have in common so you know we'll of course get to it i'm sure at one point in this episode but like you know when i pitched the kind of the millionaire idea he was like sounds great and he's like that would be cool you know other tournaments they haven't really done a live game show let's be the people to do a live game show there was talk for a while about doing a live episode of the mix-up and like it just didn't end up happening but he was like trying to make that happen as well um i think like when 
like the reason this event kind of has grown bigger and obviously there's going to be a bunch of different factors is like he was networking with people a lot he was saying like going to summit and stuff and saying like hey guys have you heard of battle of bc it's this really cool event and like literally putting in like he he's like the <laughs> the little old victorian boy in a in a in a film that's like got extra extra read all about it battle of bc like he's passing out flyers about you know what i mean like he's going the full <laughs> the full uh distance to try to kind of make people aware of it and um it kind of feels like this uh is sort of the maybe not do or die but like kind of big stakes like okay do we live up to the hype this weekend because last battle of bc and this battle of bc in terms of the talent pool in terms of the number of attendees in terms of so many different factors like it's like night and day we had Zane back when he was not like the number one player in the world, uh, Axe, SFAT, I believe S2J, like just a handful of good players at Battle of BC3. And now, like you mentioned, obviously Cody did drop out and Wizard also dropped out. But we have Leffen, Mango, Hungrybox, Zane, like, you know, JMook. We have so many people that like Not you so. want to watch play each other. It's, I don't know. Like, I feel like I kind of went on a little ramble there, but yeah. No, I think, I mean, you talk about how it doesn't have a thing, right? I mean, most of these tournaments don't have a thing. Smash Camp is very unique in that sense. But uh, its thing is, it's in a great place, right? I've heard so many wonderful things about Vancouver. So many wonderful things about British Columbia. Uh, and it has a TO who is very visible, very known for wanting to put work in. Uh, and one of the few brands that has probably grown through COVID, right? I mean, you yes. can argue that a lot of these tournaments, Big House Genesis or something like that, they didn't lose anything, but very few tournament brands actually grew like Gallant did. So, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where I think uh, every single year people watch and then they, they see what's going on, they see the experience, they see the fucking tweets from people just like, Hey, we're here like chilling outside. It's you know great. Maybe maybe the weather's not perfect for that. This you know because Canada's yeah. cold. I don't know if you know that like, radar. Canada's actually a lot colder than America. first time I've ever heard it. Um, but yeah, I mean, just like word of mouth in these situations helps so much because when you are someone like me or Edward, right, who like we're gonna try to go to things, but it's a very like finite number of things to go to. When when you're like fuck it, I'll go to this instead of smash con right or whatever like uh like it really has to be something special and i think that battle of bc has shown that let me let's talk about the millionaire thing this is uh something that i was not involved in but my blessing yeah I've, i gave my blessing retroactively um i want to hear about what goes into this because this is something that you know if, if uh if you know melee stats if you know like radar and stuff uh possible that this could be linked to us right you know the Five Days of Melee, uh, that did really well. The the Golden Guardians episodes that we did with them did really well. So, like, what goes into a uh, a millionaire thing like this? Uh, Anok, do you want to start this, or do you want me to jump? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I can talk about it a bit. So, we, I mean, obviously, you and Ambi did the did trivia segments for Five Days of Melee. Like, you you led the, um, or, like, I mean, like, you, you, you two and, like, Radar, like, had the Jeopardy and the, um, and the millionaire segments for that uh you know eventually like we 
after that, um, I mean, like the the way we approached a millionaire for a bit was just as like a um, as like a. I think we did it for dances together, right? Radar. Uh, we did it for dances. Yeah. Had, so I had some questions pre prepared because I'd wanted to do something like a trivia segment for a while, but just literally never had the time. So I had pre prepared like a ton of questions that were already categorized, both in terms of like what the questions entailed and what the um, what the difficulty level of the question was, right? So I think one of the things that was especially useful heading into this was not so much like coming up with ideas for the questions, but finding ways to like optimize them in the right order and to like make sure that they were fitting the contestant and like the audience, right? So I think like when we approach it for Genesis, a lot of the time is not spent so much like thinking of questions to put in as much as like finding ways to tweak what we had and seeing that if, if it worked for the contestant or if it was likely to work and through play testing it a lot, right? So like heading into the process with this, um, it, it was sort of similar. We, we had learned something from the Genesis experience, which is that we thought that we thought the Genesis boards were a little tough. And that was because the the people that we play tested with and the and like the our approach to it um, was very like it was very tilted toward people who knew a lot, right? That were a bit like that had a bit more knowledge for the type of questions that we had than the contestants we had in Genesis. Now the the Genesis questions I thought were were very good. I I, I thought the show ran well and everything. But you know, heading into this one because it is a live show, uh, we wanted to um, go for something that would kind of milk the. Uh, that would milk the live atmosphere a little more, right? So, Tell me more about about this milking, if you will. Yeah, this weird phrasing. I don't know why I said milk, but <laughs> but but you know, com coming into it, we knew who the contestants were ahead of time. Uh, we had to change one of them on the fly, but in case you don't know, it's it's Moki and Hungrybox. So we wanted to pick a good variety of questions that you know, like fit their general wheelhouse of knowledge, but were appropriate for the board and scaled accordingly well, right? So for playtesting on these boards, basically what we did is we reached out to a variety of people with different perspectives, right? So we, re we reached out to nerds, we reached out to not me. a few top players. <laughs> yeah, not, not you. You're, you're a busy man, <laughs> and, uh, we reached out to, you know, half nerds, TOs, um, top players, people who are not like BFFs with the contestants, but had a general idea of what they would know or what they wouldn't know, and if a question was too hard or too easy. Um, honestly, most of the time was spent like play testing and just making sure that uh, what we had was what seemed appropriate for the board. So, like, just in general, um, I mean, I, I could talk about melee trivia content and like what makes it really good, what makes good for good trivia content in general for a while. But something that we really want to like radar, I think you'll agree with me. And I say this is that like we want to make sure that like it feels fair in the sense that like the audit it always feels rewarding if a contestant gets something right or if they get something wrong, right? So like if a contestant gets something wrong early, it has to be more funny than it is disappointing. But like if it but if but if it is disappointing that and they get out early, then you have like twenty minutes left in the block, or the audience comes away thinking like. Well, that was stupid. Like, why did I watch that? Right. So it was it was a tough balance between all of those that we had to do. But I think the boards we have are very good, and I think. Uh, I... No, go ahead. No, no, that's that's all I was going to say. Go ahead, radar. Yeah, I think I wanted to like even pull a bit further back, and maybe because you know you're speaking to the sort of 
what the process was of like making it and that kind of thing. And that, that definitely like, you know, is, is a huge part of kind of the story about, I guess, but I think maybe even speaking about like why we kind of wanted to do it. I, I know we sort of had mentioned like trivia segments, uh, have done well, uh, in the past, uh, everyone in this call has been involved in like, like there basically have only been, stuff done by people in this call or and like basically the Amelia stats people or me or like i guess has summit ever done trivia stuff didn't they do uh, like summit did trivia for the uh, smashers circle smashers island whatever they called it but that was written by me so yeah so exactly we, we go right back into this i i mean we are not the first ones to do this right the modern incarnation of whatever you think of melee trivia that's hey that's a lot of us but uh i'm sure you can go back and find like you know i bet tafo did something way back when or whatever sure but but the main thing is that like i feel like we haven't seen it ever done live so the only thing that i was like really wanting to do and i still feel like is what's like at stake i guess at battle of bc is like hey, these videos that we know do well, that we know people watch, that we know if you execute them properly and get the right talent and have really smart question writers like the two people in this call, um, you you uh, get people excited, get people watching. And so does that translate to a live format? I hope so. And we have a team that is like also equally invested. Like uh, I do want to shout out uh, Flashburn, one of the production people. Of course. Um, he told me that like he wants to use this game show as kind of like a proof of concept you know and say like hey like let's just show like show that this is a good idea and that he can kind of do it well on his end and, and i kind of feel the same so it's one of the best things about it i guess is that like a lot of the people are work that are working on it i think kind of believe in the the show itself as like hey maybe this could be something that they do it at every event and I personally would love to see it at every event. I like, you know, working on it as much as I like watching it. And, you know, I, I liked the Golden Guardian stuff. I liked all the Jeopardy stuff. It was a blast. So, yeah. I, yeah, I'd love to see that. I'd love to see what, uh, what Jeopardy is going to be like this time. I, I'm going to say, uh, yeah, if this becomes a thing, that'll be amazing. Uh, no EE. Let's let's keep EE away from this. I, I think his track record with uh, game shows... Wow has not been the best <laughs> yeah probably not probably not uh although i think yeah, in a live I, format you know a little easier in a live format e harder to cheat you're right yeah if, if i can uh say uh one thing radar um it was really awesome working with you on this it was great working with flashbar and everyone else i feel like we we work well i feel like our approach is pretty good i will say um i'm excited to see tof host it i'm excited to see the contestants on the show as well I am very jealous that all of you will be there in person and that um, I'm really saddened that it was just not in the cards for me to be at Battle of DC this weekend. Mm -hmm. It's been like, I mean, I've, t I've talked about this with you, Radar, but like, it's been my dream to, to like be a host for something like this. So I took our play test like super seriously in terms of treating it like an actual show. And you know, hey, like if, 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 uh, if you, if you come to shine Radar and uh, I, and I have to, I'll, I'll pitch this to she or stock or whoever. And I would, uh, I just, uh, I'm so sad that I won't be there this weekend for battle DC. It like really breaks my heart actually, but I'm, I'm like very happy that you're going to be there and that like all these people will be there as well. 
Absolutely. I think I can I can see why. Like I, I think even as speaking as someone who was present for like a good chunk of the playtests or did some playtesting myself, did some hosting myself. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's fun. It's definitely like, I think you'd be surprised how seriously even like the playtesters take it. Like they kind of get in the seat and they're kind of like, I yeah, want to so- be the guy that walks away here and does the whole board, you know, gets all 15 questions. So, so yeah, I, I, I definitely wish you could have been there. Um, and I'm really hoping it goes smoothly. Wheat, looks like you want to say something. I always do. Uh, no, I think it's going to be really interesting. I think Tope's going to kill it as the host. But yeah, let's let's move on from being sad that we're not going to be there and talk about the people who are happy to see there. Because this yeah. does have a very stacked lineup, right? Battle BC, as you mentioned before, has always done a pretty good job. I think even one or two had like SFAT and Leffen. It was like very, even from the get-go, had a very good cast of uh, players. But this one, man... This it really puts everything to shame. We talked about all the top players, even further than that, right? We've seen events that have all the top players. They all get, like, flown out or whatever. And then <laughs> there's, like, some guy who gets, like, ninth place. And it's like, who is this guy? That's not the case here. Because the level of talent scales so well, right? You look at the top eight seeds, some of the best, you know, players in the world, probably all top 10, top 10 level players. Uh, but you go down from there. I think, honestly, all the top 32 are probably top 100-ish level, right? Maybe uh, maybe some of them are local threats and not, like, guaranteed to get top 100. But the, the level of talent here is, is really, really stacked. So we, we've got a lot of people here. Um, we've got a lot of Canadian players, both from, obviously, BC. We've got some Ontario players here. We've got uh, Sunse, who I think is uh, living in Alberta at the moment. We've got a lot of representation from Canada, but we also just got a lot of really cool players from Pacific Northwest and, and otherwise. Um, like when you look at a bracket like this, it's really open in my opinion because you've got all of these people who can just, you know, they can make upsets, they can make large runs. We've seen almost everyone here have tournaments where they have big runs, online or offline. Um, Edwin, is there like a player or players who? Like they stick out to you as someone to look out for at this event. Yeah, the, the, there's quite there's quite a few. It's hard hard to pick just one. Depends on. Um, so one of the things you mentioned is that like the, this event is like pretty stacked at the very top level. Um, I think it has a lot of depth as well. But the, but the thing is that the depth is quite interesting because a lot of the um, at least specifically with regards to like the British Columbia players, these guys are all like very good, but they but they beat up on each other a lot which makes it kind of difficult to assess how they would do in a national yeah. field, except for like the few TMTs, I guess, that they, they like attend online. But guys like Amrak, Polo. Uh, like, Elliot. Yeah, a- Elliot also. I mean, Elliot, this is someone that we, for whatever it's worth, we, we did see Elliot take an online set over Hungrybox. I don't know how yeah, rare right. that was when it happened, but, you know, that that's someone who I think, who I, I believe in his potential a lot to be, to be a threat to top hundred players, if not top hundred on its own, I think uh, I think Amrak and Polo are, are particularly very strong. Even uh, the infamous loser of a best of one hundred to Plup, Unruly, is a is a, is a player uh, from from I, I, from BC who I think is a I think Unruly, yeah, Unruly's from BC. Um, yeah, that's mm. kind of like making waves in online brackets lately. So I'm curious if he can uh, I'm f- curious if he can pull it together for this one. And then, like, above those guys, I mean, again, like, I'm just speaking groups of people. This is not, like, if I don't mention someone's name here, like, don't get mad at me. But then you got, like, a, a list of guys who, like, 
I think if there were a normal ranking in 2021 or like even now that was top 100, these guys would be clean top 100. So mm-hmm. I'm talking your soon says. I'm talking Zuppies. I'm talking Swift, mm-hmm. who who frankly might be like Swift might be frankly like top the best peak top 30 or something, <laughs> right? Like we we have mm-hmm. not we haven't seen a lot of Swift, yeah. but what we have seen of Swift, especially at the function. I know Pound was a little bit of a letdown from what we've expected from all these high expectations Mm -hmm. but the function yeah no swift is amazing i mean these are guys that like a year ago we were saying like oh yeah they could be top 100 in normal year well this is 2022 we're about like six months through the year it's like if there was a top 100 now this is like it's not a question that these guys would make the list like like they would be like forget top 100 they would be like clean top 50 out of like you know forever that's worth in the in the field of activity so I think like for for a lot of these players, it can be their chance. Like like we we've seen them have moments in the year where they've grabbed big wins. Like with Zuppy in particular, uh, his he he kind of started off with a with a bit of a weak uh, genesis, and then he came back with it with it with like a very strong. Uh, he had a very good performance at the nightclub. That the function two, he beat Aklo. Uh, kind of a seesaw function two where he lost to Scarzo just outside of top eight. But generally, like the kind of performance that you want to see from someone who, someone who like really uh, experienced like a massive jump in uh, his results and like kind of translating that into the format of melee that really matters. So that so that's someone who who we could look out for. I think generally the whole like I think oh I, man give radar something man you, you're taking everyone. Yeah, sorry. I, look, I, I did a huge like breakdown of all the players that I found most interesting entering this event. There's Last, a lot of them. Yeah. So, but, yeah. No fault for for you going yeah. off because anyone would want to talk about yeah. all these people. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like the the last guy that I would uh the last guy I would mention as someone that I think is interesting to look out for is um. Oh God, I already mentioned Swift, right? Uh, so, or actually, no, no, no. Sorry, the last person I want to mention is Toussaint. Toussaint, this is the this is the storyline that that has somehow happened over the last like month and a half, and nobody's been paying attention to it because they're too busy celebrating Bebats' victory at Creed. But Toussaint, high key, over the last month and a half, has been the best active player in the Northeast. That you know, they have just dominated almost every nightclub that they've gone to, just like beating a field of like pretty tough players, right? So I'm actually like very, very excited to see how Toussaint does at this event. They have just like really been killing it in New York. And uh outside of that one tourney to B Bats and I think another nightclub that they finished in second at, they've just like been super on a tear. I've been I've been very impressed with them. Okay. Toussaint so is a is a really great pick. Before the YouTube comments come and say Radio Melee is more, you know, whatever. Um I'm going to balk on this claim that they're the best player in the Northeast because uh, IBW is also the Northeast. Uh, okay, I, I, yeah, like active, active regional Actively, player. yeah, locally. Oh, no, no, who knows? Maybe in New York, who, who knows how well, I mean, Well, that's the thing with Toussaint, right? Toussaint has been a very odd player for most of their career, right? Most of their melee career. They have struck me as someone who they're able to go to events, and the bigger the event, it's like disproportionate with how well they do. Because I have seen them at events. I think one great example is um, See Me on Land 2 or 3 or whatever. There's a See Me on Land where they went uh, and Fiction and Ginger went. Fiction and Ginger were at the time and still are extremely great players, right? Top 15 level, top 20 level. And uh, I think Toussaint ended up losing the event but took sets off of each of them or something like that. Maybe traded sets with both of them. And I was like, no, this seems right. <laughs> like, this seems right to me. Uh, but 
two saints bigger events right the big houses and genesis is that they go to aren't really up to snuff with what we've seen from them locally and you have these events where yeah i mean they lost to b-bats they they got pretty destroyed by b-bats i think they went fox shades of uh them going fox versus cool line down like there's a lot of instances of this but they're a player who i think always is able to do well at events where you know i mean i think if they're one of the higher seeds i think they're always able to do well and punch up well bigger events it's a little scarier so this is kind of interesting thing to see um radar i know that Edwin has listed every person in the top 16 or whatever. Are there any players who stand out to you as, as players who are like able to make a big run here? Um, yeah, there, there are a couple. Uh, so I was looking at the seating. I think one that I'm curious just from like a local kind of BC representation thing. Cause I think, I think most people would agree that like at an event where you don't have to deal with like jet lag or travel or any of those things, that kind of is like a natural buff, even if it's not like the the most impactful thing. I think it always helps like that. You just drove down the street to get to the event. And I think Polo is someone who has done well at events locally. Um, I think has a style that like is kind of like a good, good balanced approach to Falcon. And I feel like, will because it's that way will be maybe more consistent will maybe kind of uh like throw people off even on a bad day um because he's just a very good player so i think if i had to guess like like i think like you know when, when people talk about like say bc for example uh a lot of people are familiar with elliot or the weapon i don't know if that's still a thing um but but uh i see elliot in chat so Elliot can clarify, but everyone knows Elliot. Um, I think Polo is like a name maybe people don't know as much that they should. Um, so that's someone who I think could do really well. Uh, I, I'm trying to think specifically who would be upset in that situation, but but I do think um, I do think especially after uh, it was, I believe Champions of Vancouver was the name of the tournament. It was a tournament back last August, and Polo came second to Sunsei. Um, so you know I think Polo could do well. Uh, I think I agree. Like Toussaint has just been kind of dominating nightclub. So it's hard to say. Um, it's, hard, it's hard to say it would be shocking even to see Toussaint just take sets versus people, especially like Puff always kind of a, like not a hard character to prepare for, but a character that forces you to be good at a different play style sometimes. So yeah, Toussaint. Um, I also would probably say Zuppy, except Zuppy doesn't even really feel like that controversial of a pick either. Like I think, I think Zuppy uh, is just like a very very good player. So if Zuppy gets good results, you know, if, if Zuppy were to beat like uh, S2J or something, it would be like wow. But it wouldn't be like like spit out your drink crazy, you know. So so yeah, yeah. I think those would probably be my three picks. Uh, first off. I love what you said about Elliot, how everyone knows Elliot, but no one knows Polo. I want to live in this world where everyone in Melee knows Elliot. <laughs> okay, not everyone. I, I mean, like, we're in this world. starts to BC. I think he's the most well-known True. player. He beat HBox, yeah. you know? It's really interesting, right? You know, uh, we talked about Amrak, we talked about Polo, the weapon, of course, Elliot himself. Uh, SB, who I believe formerly was number one to BC, maybe, you know, before pandemic. Um, we have all these players who I think are really, really good, and everyone's right. It's like, 
it's hard to tell how good they are because they just like they all beat each other they all like have these you know they all like are good versus each other they you look at tournaments and it's like really hard to grasp like who's actually like you know what the what their skill level is uh on a larger scale but i think any of them could do well i'm gonna pick a player who we haven't mentioned yet i'm gonna pick a player who someone who you know in the end of 2021 think was someone who people were talking about a lot and uh, it's been a bit of a quiet year we saw them at smash camp we saw them at the uh one of the most cursed brackets of all time the summit 13 vip uh i'm gonna talk about zealot because zealot is a player who if he's going because i know he was signed up for genesis and that just never went um if he's going to this i think he's really able to take names he is one of those players where (laughs) like it's it's this old style um it's against this old style. Sorry, there used to be a style of fox. I when I got into the game, maybe I was just dumber and like I dumbed things down. But I remember back in the day, 2014, when I got into the game, it was like very possible that you're like, yeah, no, this is a fox who's uh, good at the ditto, and this is a fox who's good versus floaties, right? And I feel like to be good now, you just got to be good versus everyone. I think Zealot is someone who I I imagine like that. Really, I, I wouldn't say that Zealot has any matchups that where I'm like. Yeah, that's really scary for him, right? He he ended up losing to, to Rishi at uh, Summit 13, which that's like a nonsense result. <laughs> One, at Summit VIP bracket, and also how good is Rishi right now, right? There's just like no barometer for this. Um, mm-hmm. But he is someone who, if we see a full year of results, I honestly think top 50, possibly higher, because that style of Fox that he plays, you know, the style of Fox Fox, um, very consistent. And someone like that, with with that level of consistency, you know, you go to enough events, maybe you don't end up getting, you know, a big run to ninth at Big House or something, but you rack up 17ths and 13ths and 20ths, and uh, by the end of the year, you know, you are really someone to be, uh, a force to be reckoned with. And and that's what I look at when I look at Zealot. I've heard all the Sheik, all, all like the really good Sheik players complain about dealing with Zealot on the ledge. And get it and getting blown up <laughs> when he's on the ledge. Um, yeah, so, so I, I think if we're talking about like players with upset potential, there's like a, a sleeper pick heading like heading to this event that I I you know when we were talking about players you know just outside like you know the top ten of the current field, um, just someone who I think is like a really a good sleeper pick. Um, I don't th- he didn't really have a great Genesis. Um, he didn't have a very good pound either. And he didn't, he actually had a pretty, he had a pretty underwhelming smash on the 13, but he did take a set off J Mook. So, um, I think someone that we could see make a really big upset at this tournament and surprise people is Mango. Um, I think he could, I think he could return with a resounding performance here. That's the kind of the big question, right? When you talk about upsets, it's this kind of nebulous thing that we say, right? We're picking people who we think are good. Uh, and then there's a whole other equation to the to the upset, right? Because you have to beat a player who's better than you. Otherwise, it's not an upset. Um, and Mango is kind of one of those people who is really good. We all know he's good. Uh, top, honestly, insane that we say that he's top 10-ish instead of saying definitively top 10. Um, but he is kind of a person who might have a target on his back for, for events like this. He's seated eighth here. He's seated below Moki. Um, I think he's probably, you know at that level uh i think that was done to avoid like the third hbox set in in like a month or whatever um but like there's definitely reasons for it and when i look at his path 
it is something where you know what i feel pretty good about it um this is kind of an event that it's like tailored for the mango comeback right like if you were to pick an event where mango comes back resoundingly it's this one he doesn't have to face like fiction or laud like pound or whatever um <laughs> you know maybe his uh fizzwiggle loss doesn't you know, bode well for this but honestly i think that his uh chances of getting upset in pools is pretty low eric formerly known as naren super good fox but that's a comfort matchup you get Sfat, who you know he he lost that set at summit 12 but he did just beat him at genesis and losers right like and he's always done pretty well versus Sfat, with the exception of a few sets here and there um so i think that's good and then you've got you've got zane who we've talked about zane mango Mango, I think, in any given chance, has one of the best chances to beat Zane. Mango, I also think, has one of the worst chances to beat Zane consistently. Right? Like, we, we used to talk about, uh, I think there's a question on the show, where it was like, rank these people in the order that they're able to beat Zane. Mango, IBW, Leffen, and Plup. Uh, and I think if it's just take one set, Mango's really high. But if it's take one, take two sets at two tournaments... Or it's stuff like that. I think that's really hard, but that's not what we're looking at, right? You know, it's a it's a one chance opportunity. He's got something like this. Uh, he would have a pretty decent bracket from there. You know, that is if he beats Zane, that's a better place than he's had at any major this year. Uh, and if he loses to Zane, he's got most likely S two J, I believe. Which talk about comfort matchups, right? We've seen him lose sets to none, and, and, and like we've seen the Wizzy sets at SCL, but. It's not that time for me to say that Mango is <laughs> about to lose to S2J. So if the question is, will Mango be upset? I think that this is a pretty good bracket for him to not get upset. Uh, I think he can make top eight. Maybe in top eight, maybe someone sneaks in there. And that's a hard person for him, right? You know, like uh, if he plays Swift in top eight, that could be hard. Or if he plays, yeah. you know, like there's there's a couple different players who he could play in top eight. But, yeah, I mean, <laughs> this might be Mango's first top eight of the year. And I feel pretty confident in saying that this is, you know, if there is if there is one this year, and I hope there is, I think this is the one. Raider, what do you think? Yeah, so I've thought a lot about this. Uh, I think worth mentioning, uh, up until literally last weekend, I had never commentated a Mango set. Um, and I was blessed with Mango's Zelda at the uh, charity tournament that Brandon ran uh, last weekend. So that was my first first time commentating a Mango set. So I'm really, really, really hoping that Mango makes top eight and get to commentate Mango in top eight. Because uh, that just sounds amazing. As to do I think that will happen, I feel like the answer is yes. I feel like when I look at the people below him, I think the odds of him beating the people below him like you know being number 8 himself like i think he i think he beats all those guys i think he beats Sfet. i think he beats uh SUJ. i agree that swift is probably the most challenging player there i think he beats sora Toussaint, Eddie mexico etc like you go down that list i don't think any of those guys really uh present like a, a, a huge roadblock so to me it's more a question of like does he get out at like seventh or something or does he continue on because as soon as you go up that list is where it starts to feel like like we just saw him lose to Kadoran. i think moki like i'm really hoping moki has a good run moki like really likes vancouver i think 
you know, someone who's going to like have a lot of friends out here, be really comfortable. That always helps you uh, play well. He might come off of a hot run at uh, who wants to be a millionaire. That always boosts your confidence. True. So, <laughs> so you know, Moki, Kadoran, could they beat Mango? Definitely. Leffen, could he beat Mango? Of course. Amsa, of course. Jmook, like, I think so. Yeah. So hbox you know like so i think it's going to be tough afterwards but i would be pretty shocked to be honest if he didn't make top eight here yeah uh you know what mango <laughs> mango i think right now is uh is a player who has a lot of people who can beat him you mentioned all these people and it all <laughs> it's like yeah no that sounds right all those people i think uh have a decent chance of beating him you know it's 40 percent chance 50 percent 60 percent chance whatever it is and uh, I feel like it's always been like this with Mango. You'd always have those random, you know, tournaments where he'd go and lose to Flipsy or whatever. Uh, but I think that this has just gotten to a point where we really haven't seen yet. But yeah, I mean, if there's a tournament where he's going to do well, I really think it's this. You mentioned Moki. I want to talk about this really quickly because Moki S2J is a very interesting set. Moki, I think, is an incredible player. And on the on the flip side, S2J, someone who's been amazing for such a long time right top 15 for years top 10 remember we had that point where we said he was the third best player in north america which feels insane now but mm -hmm. what he's been doing in the past you know we, we talk about Tusane as the as the guy you know the uh they're they're doing it over there in new york s2j is kind of doing the same thing yeah. in uh in socal s2j the past few weeks he has been uh kind of the guy he's been beating kadoran it's been beating fiction. I think he did just have a local where he unfortunately lost to West Balls. Um, but West Balls always has that, right? He always has his one. Yeah. <laughs> he, he has like one every six or so weeks, maybe 12 weeks, and then it's back to. Yeah, it's back else. to losing to PhDs nuts or something, right? <laughs> yeah. But uh, honestly, like what Astro has been doing has been very good and also just consistent enough to me where i feel comfortable saying that like this is not a fluke right is he back back is this top 10 s2j is he better than s uh none and kadoran and all these people and lod and all these people who we consider top 10 probably not um at least not yet but i really feel confident that we see him we put him in versus moki i think that's a really coin flip matchup um but like this is something where i think he I think he could do far if he avoids Mango because this bracket, if he doesn't avoid Mango, is very hard. But if he does, I you know, I think he could make a run. Edwin, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I think SJ and Moki is actually quite interesting because uh, when I saw that in bracket, um, so in my like preview for this week, I didn't do so much a 16-player ranking as much as just I wanted to write about the 16 players that I thought were most interesting. And I just and but for my top eight, I did have to make my top eight picks. So I just went with SJ over Moki. And people ask me why I picked SJ over Moki. They should have been asking why I picked Wizro because he ended up not going. But, <laughs> but so in, in hindsight, I kind of feel bad that I didn't write about Moki. But I think those two actually have quite a bit to prove at this event because we've seen glimpses where they look like amazing, right? We, you mentioned that SJ has been cleaning up SoCal, both, you know, coincidentally during Fiction's trip to Germany, but also even when Fiction came back. So I think SJ is like, kind of slowly regaining his mantle or making a case for being the king of SoCal, right? With Moki, I mean, this is someone that we, you know, we knew it was online, so not one-to-one -one with offline. We saw him get third at the biggest online tournament, at, at the biggest tournament really? ever. We saw Moki destroy Hungrybox online. Like, what, Very five, true. six sets? 
we've seen him we've seen him be a really you know tough opponent for IBW and the Fox Ditto. Uh, we haven't seen him we haven't seen him fully challenge the Zane yet in like a meaningful tournament. But you know who knows if, if he could make it close there. Um, we we've really just seen him uh, we've seen him show moments of such brilliance where like he doesn't even just look clean top ten. He looks like someone where it's like. You know, if, if we're going to consider, you know, Laud a, a threat to get fourth at, a, at like, a super major or, or, or potentially take sets off top five players, like, Moki is absolutely, by the eye test, in glimpses that we've seen of, of this year, we've seen him reach that caliber. We haven't quite seen it all come together for a really big offline performance, but it could happen here. Which is what which which is what I think is really interesting because it's it's almost like he and Johnny have taken very different paths, but they're kind of at like a crossroads now where it's like you know this could be the end of the first half of the year, right? Like, is this going to be Johnny's like big offline comeback where even if he doesn't look like you know the former third number three in NA where he looks top ten again, or is this where we see like Moki show us that his online dominance over Hungrybox was for real and going to carry over to this one and we see him make a deep top eight run i think uh that matchup between those two it's kind of like two players and kind of you know very twisting paths to where they are but whoever will win that i think could could be due for like a very big uh, performance at this event of course radar i want your opinion on this but real quick i think moki is always kind of this person who has to prove this and maybe it's a bit of a canadian thing uh even though it's still all north america i do feel like the burden is on international people to prove that they're still relevant uh you know not rest on their laurels right like it definitely feels like something that we don't really give to people who are as active in america that being said moki's about to go to uh, Battle BC, Moki's about to go to Gommel, I believe signed up for Double Down as well. So this idea of Moki, you know, we haven't seen it recently. Maybe that'll go away. I also think that he has had some pretty good bracket runs at some tournaments recently. It's just, you know, when you are an international player and it's hard for you to get out to stuff, uh, it's kind of a what have you done for me lately scenario that some people see. And if you haven't seen his name recently, that hurts. Also, both of these tournaments that he did pretty well at, Genesis and Function, Genesis 8 and Function 2, I guess, to be specific, um, were both pretty big losers runs. He got upset and winners in both of those. And when you have big events like this, they really don't have the bandwidth to be able to stream like a ton of losers. So mm. if you just like asked a bunch of people, hey, what place did Moki get at Genesis 8? I don't think people really know because most of that's in losers. I, I, it is very possible that he got top 16 at Genesis without ever having a stream set. Like that's kind of just how it is when you when you make a huge losers run and something like that. So I definitely think that he is in this weird position where he has the results, he has results online, definitely. Um, but he's kind of always this person who, for the bulk of his career, it feels like has had roadblocks, and every time we see one of those, we just go like <laughs> we like clean. It's like a clean slate, right? And it's just like you know he's complained about seeding before, and I think there's a very real reason because. He is put in situations where there's like he doesn't get the benefit of the doubt. So, Raider, my question to you is: Is do you think what what is the reason behind this? Do you think is there a larger thing? Is it because he's Canadian? I know it's with Canada in 2021. I know it was hard for people to go to events in America. Um, what do you think's behind this idea of Moki always kind of like falling back in people's minds? I mean, I think it is kind of just sort of as simple as you're saying. Like, there's 
the fact that he's from a different country than most of the players, the fact that he's not going to as many events as some other players, COVID in particular prevents him from playing a lot uh, of events in the same way that we had from other people. Um, I also think, like, not to go too, like, the character, you know, like, like talking about spacey propaganda, I guess, but I do think that, like, you kind of get spacey players um, playing, like, they tend to be a bit more inconsistent than some other players, like, at least it feels that way. I could be wrong. Um, so I think all those things kind of work against him. And I think if we're being like honest with ourselves here, I think also Moki as a player is like a pretty emotional player. And sometimes kind of like that sort of mentality issues kind of get the best of him. So I think sometimes he doesn't like deliver or kind of fails to live up to those expectations that all of those things together, like can kind of create this, negative PR and this negative perception around him. I'm really hoping that an event like this and an event like Gommel, again, where he's not even going to have to travel for it, will be the thing that kind of breaks that because I feel like what we've been seeing and I, you know, I'm not talking, having intimate conversations with Moki. I'm not learning like where he's at mentally, but He's tweeting stuff like, you know, feeling like I'm in a good place in life. Really, uh, stream has been popping off, doing well. I'm really motivated to play. It's always really good when you hear someone say that. Um, he seems really excited for the social side of Battle of BC, which is like just being happy, you know, for some players is like all they need to just suddenly pop off and go crazy. So I think like, you know, a lot of the reasons we just gave are the reasons why people think that. And if he can just have like a little bit of a stretch, a run where he sort of, you know, delivers on those expectations, maybe it's it's gone forever. Like, it's weird how impressive. And I think if I he's able to get past S2J, or, you know, get past whoever comes before S2J as well, if we're talking about getting upset, um, him versus HBox, I think that's a really good draw for him. I think that's something where yeah. he can make it into, you know, winter semis, and then from there, uh, maybe JMook or something like that. I think that's a very doable matchup. Even mm -hmm. though, I think Moki was one of the first marquee wins that JMook got at, uh, I think Moki what was it called? Four Loco think, Fight Night. I think Moki actually beat him. Like he was the one. He was the one that cooled off the J Mook train. Oh, uh, was it? It was like he beat Acklo and all of that beforehand. Yeah. I could have sworn that J Mook had an online Moki set, but I guess this is what makes us a worse podcast than Radio Melee. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> let's talk about um, let's talk about the the big picture here, right? Because we're talking about all these players who can do well. Let's talk about who can win. Because when it comes to an event like this, you know. It's something that we talk about every now and then, but I think it's it's a really fun conversation. And that, like, all these small events, as we're seeing them, it or big events, right, um, they're really a part of a bigger thing. And I know that Melee has had a, you know, 20-year history, 21 years or whatever, whatever we're at, we're at whatever we're coming to. Um, but these events, they stack up, and they, they mean something, right? So when you talk about the legacy, it's like we're really living it. And I think that Zane is a player who we've talked about before after Pound and Genesis as a player who is making a run for one of the most dominant years of Melee, right, that we've seen. Uh, and after Summit, I think those ideas have kind of cooled off a little bit. But, you know, this is a question, right? We have a completely different event than Summit. We have an open bracket event. Is this an event where we see Zane bounce back? Edwin, what do you think about Zane's chances to do this? And I mean, if you want to talk about his, uh, his like, stance in history right now, too, I think he's on the precipice of having a really historical year 
or just like a really high jump in what we think of him in general. Yeah. So let's, uh, why don't we start with that latter point just really quickly. He finished last year um, uh, within the Melee Stats uh, panel for the top 100. He finished number nine of all time. So this would position him below Leffen, PP, and Azen, right? Just that, just based on how our list turned out. Since then, he, or whatever you want, however way you want to count it, he won LACS4. If you don't want to count that, he won Genesis, and he won, and he won a pound after that. So that's two more majors, and it's very likely that he will finish this year uh, with at least another major or two, which would which would basically like protect a, a n- number one spot, which would be huge for his legacy. It would put him among the ranks of people who who could have been considered number one for like the whole year if he isn't there already, along with people like Mango, Armada, Hungrybox, Ken, and Mewtwo King. In fact, I would be willing to say that, you know, depending on how the rest of the year turns out, we could see Zane, you know, in a year and a half, you know, maybe even past 10 as the greatest Marth ever. He could do it. We, he has to do it, though. And will another step happen at Battle of BC? You know, I think among everyone else in the field, I do think that, like, if, if you look at the odds and you broke down each player one by one, I think he he is just so rock solid against the field and he is more or less at worst competitive with you know his peers in top eight right so if you go by matchup by matchup i mean like it's very clear that this this guy like has a better advantage overall than anyone else that he could that that could threaten him so like just going down the list for a second hbox he has that guy's you know soul right now is it impossible that hbox could beat him no, but it's but he needs everything to go his way, or he needs to show us something new, right? That would fundamentally break the trend. So that's someone he has on lockdown. Jmook, okay, we're starting to get into the scary people, but you know, two of their last three sets is Jmook going to start just like washing Zane? Uh, I I don't think so yet. I, I think right now the default is that Zane should still be considered to have that. Then you get into Leffen and Amsa. Two people that we think can be, or when you get to Leffen, who I see in a similar right to Jmook. Someone, he hasn't shown us the ability to just like consistently dominate him, but he's shown the ability to like scare him and to take us, take, you know, for whatever it's worth in an exhibition to beat him cleanly, right? That he can do that. I don't know if he'll do that the majority of time, but he can do that. You go down the list like that and like kind of you go into your AMSAs, you go into your, um, and as far as like Battle of BC is concerned, you go into like the Foxes. And then you go to Mango, who, you know, we talked about being kind of, like, someone that we think has a great individual chance of taking a set off Zane, but we don't know we'll ever go, like, just fully positive forever or whatever. Now, with all that said, I think this event in particular is very hard for him. I think it's very hard not just because of the talent in present that they're not, like, free gimmies. I think playing Mango in Winter's Quarters is terrifying. <laughs> I think if you're a Mango, you love that. You love coming in as the number eight seed down on your luck, playing against the one guy you spent all of last year preparing for. I think you love that if you're Mango. I think if you're Zane, that's horrifying. And it's especially scary because if Zane loses to Mango, it's very likely that for ninth place, he could be playing SJ. And this is someone who, again, I would never say that SJ is favored over Zane, but the ability to actually take a set already makes him so much more threatening than like another Fox player or another Falco player that Zane could be playing in that spot. So will Zane bounce back at this event? I think he's very likely to, 
But I also think this event is kind of uniquely tough for him in the fact that he he might be running into like one of his top two hardest opponents early on in bracket and having to manage that with having to prepare for the sheiks with having to prepare for you know like i think he has i think he has hungry box on lockdown but everybody is come he's still gunning for him too you know so i don't know man I, I think i think he could he's likely to bounce back but at the same time i don't know if it'll come at this event for sure I can't hear weed right now. Yeah, we. I can't hear you. Uh, you know, this is a bit oh, of a yeah. bounce back tournament for him. Wait, that's not what I was about to say. I said something different when I was muted. This is a uh, statement tournament for him because this is a chance to prove that he's still number one, still definitively number one. Uh, you know, I talked about whether or not he. <laughs> it's what he went to three events. This is really dumb to talk about, but how dominant of a year he's having, and whether or not this is. So that could be an all-time dominant year. And Edwin, I've got a question for you. I know that you, you talked about uh, his ability to overtake Ken. I, you know, I think you know that's very possible. I think that's well within Zane's ability in the next few years. But if Zane is able to have a year like, uh, I don't know, like Armada's 2017 or Hbox's 2017 or something like that, um, or, you know, like... Armada's 2016, take whatever year you want to say. Um, if he's able to have a year where he's winning majority of events, how do you you uh, weigh that versus these historic years that we've seen? Because right now, maybe I'm wrong, I feel like the field is completely different, right? When it was 2015 and Armada put up one of the best years of all time, I honestly think that the number of people who could win a major was a lot smaller than it is now. So I think if Zane is able to continually get number one at these events, get first place, you know, take home gold, I think that is impressive. And do we have to weigh the the talent accordingly? Like, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I think it's interesting because, like, wh one of the things I was pretty sure heading into the pandemic, and this, uh, like, just looking at the numbers, it really holds up, right? So even from the MLG era to, like, 2018 or so, there are always, like, five, maybe six players that – like their presence at a tournament would basically dictate whether it's a major or not, right? Like, and it's it's quite remarkable. Like, like no matter what generation we've been in, there's always been five or six people that have been considered like you know that that basically define majors or won them, right? And like this went from when we were having 200 person nationals being considered groundbreaking to when we were having 2,000 person super majors, right? That was one thing that I always thought was very bizarre about melee history. Now it, it it seems like we're in a period of transition where we're uh, we're not really sure who those five are. Those five honestly feel like eight. <laughs> they they this feel like a lot of people or, or nine. But there's also like people where like like Mango is a really good example of this, right? Like Mango, if you ask me what his chances of winning a major are in 2022, I think they're cleanly higher than someone like Nuns or Fedorns or or even Lot, right? Like I think. I'm, I'm going into I'm going into the year like thinking that, and I still think that now. But if you ask me, how good is Mango's year, and where does he finish on a ranking? It's just someone who's not top ten right now by by the results, right? So I think uh, we're kind of in a weird era. But I think over the next like two or three months, we're gonna start to see things make a little more sense. And my prediction is that by the end of the year, I think there'll be like six or seven people who could be considered in that. In that tier of winning a major it'll be kind of like 2019 was in in that sense yeah. and but i think it'll make it i think it'll have a little bit more order to it 
Radar, what do you think on all of this? Yeah, so I guess the the main topic is is like, well, the start is to, will Zane bounce back? I mean, like even the wording to me seems a bit weird because it feels like he, like bouncing back. Like, isn't he still kind of like the number one player? Like, it feels like bouncing back from a upset at Smash Summit. I guess like is that the idea? Yeah, I mean, when it comes to someone like him, right? It's it, you you have different uh, criteria, right? If if yeah. Armada got fifth at an event, then that's something where. It's yes. like, oh, wow, what, where does he go from here? Now, of course, we're talking about Zane as if he's Armada, which maybe are we right to that? I don't know. That's the big question here. Um, but yeah, I mean, he had an event where he, well, he like Salt took him to game five. He he lost, he dropped a set to Lod. Uh, he lost to Jaymook, right? He's, he lost to Plop. Like he, he lost to these people who he did very well against recently. Um, so I do think that, you know, maybe bouncing back is a little harsh. He's still definitively number one in my mind, but I think he's more on the precipice than, than we, uh, yeah, he's on the precipice he was before we, you put it so well on the, you know, I think last week or two weeks ago, when we think of Zane and the kind of potential that he has, well, the reason that we're saying like bouncing back is because we're not holding him to the expectation of necessarily just finishing the year at number one, we're holding him to the expectation of like in two years when we, or, or maybe not two years, maybe we'll we wait a little longer and maybe <laughs> in five years, this is a top two player of all time or top yeah. three, right? Like that's the mm-hmm. kind of like, like, so it's both, it is admittedly unfair because there's no one else in the field right now that we would hold to that kind of potential future standard standard. There's also a good reason for it. Right. So it's not even like that. It's being unfair. It's more like he's playing a different game than a lot of the. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, I guess, like, sorry, go on. I guess, you know, so we talked about this a bit before yesterday when we were working on the millionaire stuff. And I think it's a good time to kind of bring it back up now of like, what is, who is your pick to, to actually win the tournament? And I, at the time said HBox and not Zane, wow. which why, why the wow? I'd, li- I'd like to hear why is that? So no, shocking? I want to hear why you picked HBox. I think this is an insane. Okay. So you've got I'm my going, attention. Mr. I'm going Gallagher. to acknowledge that number one. Like I'm not the most public about it, but I'm I'm not the biggest H Box fan, right? I'm not I'm not here going like <laughs> I really hope my boy H God wins, you know? Let's I, go on. I respect him as a player so much. He is so so talented and does a lot for the game. And I think I think he in his own way, like we we look at like Will Zane bounce back. I feel like H Box has that question. But replace Zane with, will I bounce back? Will I be the number one player again? How do I get to that path? And he tweets stuff like after Pound, he kind of goes like, hey, are we going to start seating me better because I'm getting like consistently good results? I'm like, you know what I mean? And so I think there's a lot of, I think he's going to put a lot of pressure on himself. And I actually think when he puts pressure on himself, he tends to deliver lately, maybe not as much, but like, I think he has a pretty good chance against a lot of people. I actually agree fun like thinking about it watching their old sets that zane is his biggest hurdle by quite a lot but um i just watched him beat jay mook um pretty solidly twice like uh like in two back-to-back sets um i think he can definitely win beat amsa i think leffen will be tough i think he's favored versus Ghidorin. i think moki could be tough but it's like if if moki doesn't beat hbox no one's like what so i feel like there's a very legitimate path to hbox winning um, and I think the, you know, to someone asking in the chat, like, what does HBox get if he wins Battle of BC? 
I think he I think he wants to like return to to form. He he wants to shut down conversations like this about Zayn being in his own tier and and be kind of like in that conversation for number one player. And I firmly do not think that he is in that conversation at all. But I just, I don't know, like my gut feeling, maybe it's just pessimistic and being like, I'm going to have to commentate Hbox winning some games. But like... Pessimistic. You get to watch yeah. Hbox return to the throne. Exactly. He'll he'll dominate Millionaire and then he'll dominate top eight. But um, but no, but like in a way, that would be interesting. And, and I actually would be, I would enjoy just seeing, seeing him kind of sort of do what he's known for. So that's my like kind of like like dangerous pick. Like I, I recognize that it's not it's not like the safe one. I think Zane I just feel have a feeling that Zane will be upset by someone and then Hbox will have a smooth path to victory. And I feel like the fact that IBW isn't here, Wizrobe isn't here, like there's certain people that were like more obvious roadblocks, even though we haven't seen Wizzy play for a long time. Or like like one more thing that was kind of keeping yeah. Hbox down, and they're no longer in the picture. So I don't know. I like his chances. Radar, I uh, I, I like this. This is a, an interesting pick. I don't agree, but I do like it. Uh, Hbox, I think, has the biggest chance of getting second here. I think Hbox does not have the biggest chance of getting first place. Uh, I think that he's not even second most likely to get first place. I think Zane is so hard for him. Uh, and you're right. You know, when you look at the obstacles that he has in, in whatever given bracket path, the scariest ones, a lot of them aren't here. IBW, I think, is... IBW and Zane are a big reason why St. Hbox is going to win a major is uh, going to be a tough one. Because if they are mm -hmm. on opposite sides of the bracket, you know, if they are one and two seed, right, like they currently probably would be, uh, that is hard. Because you, that means you most likely have to play them in order to get to winners finals or grand finals, uh, and in a situation like that, that's tough. And you're right; he doesn't have that. He just has Zane. But I think Zane is so tough for him uh, that, you know, even if Zane gets sent to losers, I I still believe that Zane, you know, claws his way back up. And maybe we get a situation we've never seen, right? Zane <laughs> resetting from losers. We haven't really seen that a lot. It's usually the opposite. Uh, but yeah, I think Hbox is an interesting pick because he is someone who it was like very cool to say he was bad. And man, it was cool. It was fun. It was really it was, fun. It was we were all fun. we were having a great time. Yeah. Uh and then I I think a few people kind of started noticing it before it was uh, really a thing, but I remember going into Genesis and I was like, now he's good again. <laughs> he he's a good player. Uh, and yeah, I mean, he's proved that over the few events. I've said this on our podcast before, but Radar, uh, I'm sure you don't listen to our wonderful podcast. Uh, he I sat do down next to me at Summit. Okay, so do you know the story that I'm about to tell? No, go ahead. He sat down next to me at Summit, and he had his fish tacos, and he put down his plate of fish tacos. He said he's the second best player in the world right now. He ate the fish out of his fish tacos, and then he left his trash there. So the kind of balls that a player has to have like that, the kind of confidence, I you know I think that we've seen we're seeing an Hbox who is getting seated second at big events, seated third behind IBW stuff like this, and it feels like, you know when when it was if he was third seed at Summit right that kind of feels like ah we've got no better option, but it's becoming instead of no better options becoming like he's actually the third best player in the world, uh, and who knows maybe he could be second best player in the world we we have. 
we have to see that. I think he has a couple hurdles that he needs to do beforehand uh, to show that. Um, but yeah, in terms of people who could win, Edwin, what are your thoughts? I want to hear who you think is going to win this event. I I, uh, I, I will go into oh, my. God. You're also picking Hbox, aren't you? I don't know. I, I'll go into my pick in a bit. Who who do you want to? I, I want you to go first. I'll go first. This means that you're gonna have a hot take. Um, so normally an event like this, little old wheat trot out his tired old thing about Leffen that's Leffen optimism uh, because I think Leffen's bracket is pretty damn good. Amsa uh, he of course lost to Amsa you know Radio Melee knows this. We know this. He lost to Amsa uh, but he has historically done very well versus Amsa Zane is uh, probably a tougher uh, opponent than Jmook or Hbox on the other side but Zane is a player who we still feel confident about his ability versus, you know, or we feel confident in Leffen's ability versus Zane, uh, even though we've yet to see it in like a LAN tournament set. Um, I still think he could do it. And then whoever would be in winner's finals, right? Hbox, Jmook, Pokey, whatever. I think all those are very doable. However, he's uh, he's pulling an old controller thing right now. All of his controllers are bad. He's going to have to get a controller at the event or something, right? There's this whole thing. So uh, maybe... Maybe this is the event that I I finally jump off this Leffen optimism wagon. And maybe this is the time where it's to be on it. Maybe he wins after all this. Um, but yeah, I think I'm going to have to go with with the, the return of the king. Uh, in this case, the return of the king who won two tournaments this year. I'm going to have to say Zane. Zane feels like a player who we talked about. This could be a tough event. But, right, this is, this is like what separates Zane as a top five, possibly all-time player. Uh... Uh, from these other people, right? He is someone who we've really not seen when push comes to shove. We've not seen Zane do well. We've not seen Zane do well in some situations where he's sitting in uh, grand finals winner's side. And and I think that this is like, we talk about, you know, we joked about earlier on the podcast about beating the allegations. He has not beaten the choker allegations just yet. Uh, but I think this is going to be a tournament that's going to solidify some of that, kind of assuage some of the doubts around his ability to, to perform in situations like this. I think that he has a bit of a tough bracket, but I don't know. I, I think that, you know, when when the when all the chips are down, I think that he is someone who I think I think he's gonna show it. I don't really have like stats to back this up, right? I don't have history to say this but i just have this feeling i think zane's gonna do well and i think that this is going to be a very quiet but like meaningful uh tournament where like you know i think if you just see him get number one here a lot of people won't bat an eye they won't think a lot of it but for me this would mean a lot coming off of a fifth place at summit having to play mango probably in winners quarters uh having a bracket that doesn't really have a lot of foxes in it Stuff like this, I think it's really small things, but if he wins this, it'd be a very big thing to me. It would, all the doubts I have, I'd feel a lot better about him. I'm going to have to pick Zane here. I know I very rarely pick the favorite because it's not fun, but I got a feeling about Zane here. Edwin, you're kind of so, I want, yeah, I want to hear. Okay, just one, I think, uh, just to reference the chat, I think Zane wins this tournament from losers is like a very safe prediction. I feel like I would actually be- I think that's insane. I, <laughs> really? Okay. I, I, I think, I th- I'm feeling an upset. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm here in British Columbia now and like 
you know, I'm the earth is telling me, you know, like, like what the future right now and I can feel it, but I don't know. I just, I could see it, but I agree that Zane is the safe pick. Second thing with Leffen is that like, I agree, man, him, him tweeting those things makes me worried. I really want to see Leffen do well. Yeah. You know how people talk about like the expression, like one foot in the grave. I feel like Leffen has like one foot in the Twitter, man. You know, like he's just like, it's like whenever he's playing, you can kind of imagine him constructing the tweet as he's playing. Like get, you can visibly see him getting more frustrated or see it in game. And I just like, I just want it to not happen. I want to see Leffen do well. I, I want to, I want these Twitter days to be over, but that's my mini rant. Go wild. It's, it's one foot in the grave. It's one foot in strive. Used yeah, to be one foot yeah. in ultimate. Used to be one foot in Dragon Ball Fighters, right? There's always something uh, that is keeping him from. A, 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 I mean, hey, we talk about Zayn as a top five player all time, possibly. I don't think there's any reason why Leffen couldn't have done that. Uh, it's just been like visa issues and then playing multiple games. He's always had something that has been keeping him back from what I think his potential is. I'd love to see him do well here. I, Edwin, am I crazy here? This this prediction of Zane winning from losers, I think, is like so unfounded. I have not seen Zane do this. Tell me, tell me, am I crazy for thinking this? Uh, I mean, like the, the thing is, uh, like it's so specific. So it's like, are we talking like he makes a loser's run from like ninth place to winning the event, or does he no, go to no, the finals no. and then lose and then like win losers finals and then win win both set of grands? Like it's kind of hard for me to envision it. I wouldn't say it's totally crazy though. It's just one of a. It's just another possibility of Zane winning the event. Have we seen Zane win an event from losers before? I don't think so. Well, sure. Oh, no, no, for loco, for loco, for loco fight night. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. Or Loco is the last one I can think Online of. Online doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, so I think uh, we. I think you have a very good pick. I think Zane, but you, you mentioned that you didn't have statistics. But let's be real. If you did have statistics available in front of you, the numbers are pointing towards Zane. That's just the way the mattress spreads show up, the head-to-heads, whatnot, you know, people's trajectories. It just seems it's the it's a rational pick, and I commend you for it. Radar, you picked Tommy Box, which was a less rational pick, but I can see that <laughs> there. If he can, if he can show us something new against Zane and beat the people that we expect him to beat, and like look like the player that we know he's capable of being on offline. But my friends, I went in a different direction. My prediction for Battle of BC Four champion is Amsa. Now I'm going to tell you why. One, it's fun. Second of all, second of all. I think if you look at like the uh, field attending this event, his chances against everyone else, I do not know if we are going to see as good of a field and as good of a shot for him to win this event as we are seeing right now. I think like with no triff, no lot, even, even the lot we, we've seen him win before, that's still hard. No lot, no Polish, no Wizrobe is very big for him, no none. We'll we'll see how you know if, if he and SJ play, we'll see how that goes. But I I'll probably I think I would slightly favor Amsa in that just by virtue of him looking like a very new player this year than the one of the past. I think Hungry Box is hard but doable for him as we've seen him win those before in fairly dominant dominant or convincing fashion. I think him versus Mango is always very um very terrifying for Mango. Even if mm-hmm. it's if it's like maybe not lopsided long term, sometimes it kind of like trends in Amsa's favor, and it seems like we're in the middle of a period where Amsa just 
has his number. He feels very confident in that matchup. I think Amsa is a monster against Fox. Honestly, like when we think of the Foxes that play the matchup, the only one that I think is kind of scary for Amsa, like really, is um, is Moki. Like I can see Moki being like very tough. I but, gonna say, yeah. but like based on the Moki we've seen on land this year, I don't know if Moki will make. He could make it that far, but I don't know if he will. And I think from what we've seen of Amsa versus Fox specifically in the last like uh, year and a half or so, or the last year, he just looks like a monster in that matchup. He's just like really revamped his punish game. It's so much to where like he's even counterpicking FD against Foxes and just blowing them up there now. I think uh, just given, you know, the circumstances of who's attending this event, who's not attending this event, like who he does well against, who he can show glimpses of promise of. If if Amsa and Zay play in bracket, bracket, like look, I think I think Zay in his favor. I think that's a very hard opponent for Amsa. But I'm not willing to say that like it's kind of like uh before when Zayn was beating Plup a lot. I I never felt comfortable when people were saying, like, oh, Plup is free for Zayn. Like Plup needs a miracle to beat him. It never felt like the uh head-to-head history was really quite indicative of the long-term trend of that matchup or how scary Plup was as an opponent for Zayn. And I feel somewhat similarly about Amsa. I think he's very close to pulling it out against Zayn. And I think he has good of a shot as anyone from like six to 10 or like five to 10, frankly. I think uh, it's just, if he doesn't win this weekend, which is, and admittedly, it's still very hard for him to not win this weekend. I don't think we're gonna see a better shot for him to win a major in a long time if it's not this one. I think, I think that the stars are aligning, and that's what my heart's telling me. I want to see Amsa win a major, and uh, I think it would be just such a huge boost to his legacy and just a, a massive testament to Melee, really, if someone like him is able to win a win an event of this, this size. I will say that, like, worth mentioning, Amsa is going to be moving to Vancouver, so there would definitely be this, like, very kind of touching aspect of the narrative of, like, move, like goes to Canada... Goes to Vancouver, so he's expecting to move to, wins the event there, kind of on his like new home turf. It would be very, very cool to see. Um, so I, I, I would definitely be happy to see that, even if I don't necessarily see it being very likely. Weed. Hey, what's going on? Uh, Edwin, how does it feel? How does it feel to get to make a fun pick? Because we had a little bit of a role reversal this week without planning it. I pick the favorite, and then you go off and pick some pie in the sky answer how does it feel it feels wonderful i uh i think that um if it's not this like i i don't know what it is like there's no club either there's no whizzy like it it really feels like like if amsa is gonna win a mate like a like a major i mean i guess maybe a summit if he gets a favorable field but like if he if he doesn't win this event it's it's not that like it would be disappointing or whatever because it's still it's still a very tall order like look Let's be real. I just think, like, if it's going to happen, like, this is a pretty good... This is, like, what you want if you're him. If he, and it's I a want great, it, so I, I want to pick it. It's a great feeling to pick a result that you pretty much know is not going to happen. Because you feel cool. It's like, nah, I think Ups is going to win. Uh, it's a great feeling. I, one, one set I want to see that I don't think is necessarily... Uh, I, I don't think it's going to be super hard for Ups. I don't think it's going to be super easy. Uh, I think this could could go either way. I want to see him versus J-Mook. That's something we just haven't seen yet. I think that could be a really cool set. That might happen. They played a special tour in pools. They played a special tour, yeah. So I guess 
uh i mean that like the new um sorry, yeah the new, right. the new jay mook <laughs> we've come to appreciate the one who's not just like oh like you know i guess he's top 25 or 30 we're talking with the top five potentially top, top five, five top five yeah. player right yeah i think that should be a cool thing um less cool i think it's gonna be his inevitable set versus hbox when it happens i think that jay mook is really 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 good uh i think that he is like fodder for hbox and this was before they, they had a set at, at training month tuesdays uh yesterday this is before that i have like felt despair thinking about like his chances versus hbox but i'd be love to be i would love to be proven wrong on this one did you uh, watch that that those sets I, I watched the second one but i didn't catch the first one <laughs> I yeah those. i watched them as well um i think there were a lot of times okay like did he get I, what, how did the first one go uh six one i think it was sorry three six uh three one three one and i think it was three two so yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. not horrible um yeah i think if if melee were a one-shot game i think uh jmook would have been great i think there's a lot of times where he comes out out of the gate uh just like he has this intensity he has this uh this like speed and i would see like he'd open up games and he'd get like 80 percent on hbox right away uh, unfortunately, it's a four-stock game, and unfortunately, Puff has... <laughs> She's got that move. Uh, and I think just, like, Hbox did such a good job at sharking with up air. I think up air is... I mean, I'm not a Puff player. I'm not a Sheik player. I'm also not good at melee. But I think that that, that move and that in that uh, matchup is really hard to deal with. I mean, I don't know. Uh, every time J-Mook did an up tilt, I, like, freaked out. I got so worried. I just, like, imagine in my mind doing the up tilt and then Hbox, like, rests it or something, which didn't happen, but we will see. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I am down for Jamie playing more people because the more people he plays, we get a bigger idea, uh, a better grasp of what he is and, like, you know, how, how good he is. Um, I And I, even further than that, just, like, the dumb caveman idea of he is fun to watch, right? I, I would like to see him play more people because I just want to see it. I don't even need to, to like color his his like matchup spread. I just like literally want to see him play people. So I think this is going to be a sick event. Uh, whatever happens, I think there's going to be something to come out of this. And then we are, you know, we've got a little bit of a run going on. We we had a little bit of a run before with uh, like Genesis and Pound and Function and all that. Um, we've got, I believe, a little bit of a break, and then we've got CEO at the end of uh, the month. Uh, well, I guess we'll see who's there, but then we've got Gommel and Double Down, and we've got all this type of stuff. So whatever we see here, I think it's going to be a little like appetizer to what's happening in the summer. So I'm I'm super excited to see what's coming for Battle BC. Um, I don't know. We've we had a lot of questions on our mind about you know who can players do this, can players do that. Radar, we've got some questions for you specifically though from our patrons. Um, so here I've I've got one for you. This one is from Soma. I, I believe a patron we haven't asked a question from yet. Uh, so Soma asks, "Are you the best melee player with a palindromic tag?" My my immediate assumption would be no, just based on my own skill. But I'm trying to think of other people who have yeah palindromic tags in the scene, uh, and no one is coming to mind. But even so, even knowing that, my guess is no. no. 
<laughs> but uh, uh yeah there's there's a couple brainstorms i think the big question in the patron channel of the melee stats discord was uh do one letter tags count as a palette no okay no. well do two letter tags count uh does that really work like that's like i mean i guess i guess so uh, uh i don't want that either wow it just seems like you want to you want to be the best one so i want to be the best with the with the palindromic tag yeah who knew uh yeah well we, we, i think the the brainstorm led to gg who is a uk puff player dd who of course is a uh belief a puff player as well um i'm sure there's more right we well we got to get the the brain trust together and really brainstorm something but uh I think there's some fun ones out there, but maybe it's you. Hey, maybe maybe you go on a uh, a run at Gommel or something and uh, can really stake your claim. Yeah, I haven't entered a tournament in so so long, and I'm not actually going to be entering Gommel or Battle of BC. But uh, I have been playing a lot, so I've been trying to get better. So you know, uh, if we're we're talking about palindrome tags, um, we don't count like punctuation or other characters, do we? Or or, or no? Because I think mom is a good good one. Mom would yeah. be a good one, yeah. Mom! That definitely counts, yeah. Yeah. Uh, mom is definitely a good one. Bob? <laughs> is there a Bob? About, let's go Let's go with palindromes and then work our way backwards. <laughs> what about pee-pee just on its own? No, he never went by that. Yeah, no, he didn't. You ever listen to the song Bob by uh, Weird Al? No, I've not heard it. I, I'm sure I listened to it like a while ago and just don't remember it. But it's it like about, a nine and a half minute song or something. I think it's a long one. I was never a Weird Al kid, uh, which <laughs> might be surprising. Um, but I've I've listened to it in my adulthood. Uh, it's like a Bob Dylan type thing, and it's all palindromes. It's very impressive. I believe the one that sticks in my mind is uh, "Go hang a salami on a lasagna hog." Interesting. Wow. Okay, um, I guess uh, you know it's not mine. I didn't come up with it, so I didn't bomb. He bombed. You did. He got it. You didn't. Do we have any other questions? Yeah, we got one from Zadrio. Um, Radar, if you could take any trait from a top player game-wise, or even outside the game, who would it be, and what trait would you take? So you're saying like I could take like. Leffen's work ethic or something? Yeah. Is that the idea? Yeah, that's that's how I interpret the questions. Yeah. Leffen's hairstyle. Mm. I could take a trait. And we're talking like, is it the idea of like, what would I want to, if I was trying to be a player that was winning or is it just like, what do I kind of want, period? What do you want for whatever goals you may have? I think I would probably take someone like, Moki or maybe Bobby Big Balls is like creativity with the character. I feel like both those guys like have a way of playing where it genuinely feels like 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 the way I approach melee, it feels more like flowcharty and kind of like predicted of like okay, yeah, in this situation, 
my brain is like, you can do these couple things. And over time, I start to go like these three options are just the options you probably should do. And it feels like Moki's brain just doesn't work that way ever. It's like, no, 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 you could always do any of these billion options. And so you could just kind of go wild. And I wish I had that same like just kind of raw creativity because it, it's so fun to watch. And I think uh, it might even just be more fun to play that way. I try to do that. I try to like try new things when I'm playing. Um, so yeah, that would uh, probably be my pick. Think outside the box, man. I'd probably pick J Mook's posture. I think that I already, I already have posture. enough posture on my own, I'd say, but Okay, um, all right. Well <laughs> did you see his posture during his push ups? Uh I, I guess I didn't really pay attention to it specifically then, but I do know that his posture was good throughout. So he plays with Mac. He does the set with Mac. Mm -hmm. Mac loses. He Mac does the push ups. J Mook goes down. Does perfect posture push-ups better, faster, and then he like he feels bad, so he meets next speed. It's just like what an insane flex. Uh, I believe we talked about it on the podcast. It's very possible. This is like stuck in my mind. I'll probably die with this thought. Uh, I I believe that J Mook has teased the fact that he might uh, pole dance <laughs> because. <laughs> Because uh, after Summit, HBox was streaming, and JMook was just, like, talking to chat on the stream. Um, and someone asked if he could twerk, and he said, I won't answer that, but I will tell you that I have a pole in my room. <laughs> and it's like, what What an insane, uh, you know. If, if JMook comes out one day and he's, like, he tweets that he's going to do a pole dancing stream, I honestly think that we will see the largest esports contract of all time. Uh, like if honestly, that's the that's the like infinity stone that he needs. He's got everything else. He's uh, got funny. great posture. He can play guitar and he can sing. He uh, you know is great at the game. He uh, meditates also. I think he meditates. Of course he does. Of course he does. And uh, yeah, if he can if he can pole dance, that's like the one thing he needs. He's. He's got it all. Uh, but of course, yeah, we could spend all day talking about JMook here. Edwin, do you want to? Yeah, I, I think uh, just really quickly, just because uh, I want my opinion on this to be heard. So I so I need to, uh, if, if I was picking someone and the skill they had, I would take Mott Money's poker skill. Oh, yeah. Use it to just uh, to just farm games nonstop. Have a nice True. little side. We, we talk about how, you know, there's this whole thing about Oh yeah, if Mango goes to an event, he's actually losing money. He'd make more event. He'd make more if he streamed. And it's just like, dude, I don't want to hear it. If my money's going to like events and if he's going to stage select in Jersey on a Tuesday, he could easily go to Park Casino and make thirty thousand dollars. He's done it. We've we've seen it. <laughs> so I don't want to hear this whole thing about oh Hbox. If he didn't go to the event, he would make more money streaming. My money would make more money going to a casino. So. Uh, let's let's put this idea to rest, Edwin. I think I think that's that's an incredible answer. Um, I we've, got one, we've got one more question here. This one is from uh, our good friend YCZ6. Uh, what's your favorite moment from a melee game show? Hmm. I mean, I think even though it, I guess it's biased to kind of towards the stuff that I've worked on, but I gotta say 
hugs not knowing the color of the boots of fox's like green outfit was so 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 profoundly hilarious and then when i i think the first time i'd like actually like chilled with uh hugs in person was at pinnacle and we all like made fun of him at that dinner just for still like not knowing like like hugo how could you possibly not know and I, i've told this story probably privately but he literally was like I don't know any color of any player except for, I think it was Mango and Silent Spectre. And then Zoo was like, what? What are, you, what are you talking about? And they would start like, they would start naming like, what about this guy? And he'd be like, no idea. And it would, it would be like well-known players. Like, what about Leffen? And he'd be like, blue? I don't, like, you know, he'd just kind of start pulling it out and had no idea. And uh, it just, it, it, it just was like, it started off as a funny moment and then it delivered and it still continues to deliver. So gotta be that for sure. My thoughts exactly. When I saw this question, I thought it was a great question. This came first in my head. Uh, Edwin, we don't actually, we don't usually do this where we ask patron questions and then weigh in. But uh, I think these ones are good questions. What, yeah. do, you, what do you think? What, what was your favorite moment from a Melee game show as someone who's worked on them? I'm gonna, you know... I'm not someone who puts other people on blast a lot, not in public. I'm a very nice person. And I, and I say this with a lot of love, but I think sometimes when, uh, sometimes failure is a, is a moment in of itself. And, uh, something that I have to, have to absolutely shout out. And especially this comes from a very close friend of mine, um, is, is, a my college friend, uh, you know, fellow Yukon smasher, but also Melee Stats patron, Eben Flo for not knowing uh, how many stages are banned after game one in a best of three <laughs> set by the winner. This is someone who has played countless tournament sets. Like, so, like he's played Melee. He's gone to tournaments. He's played tournament sets. He knows rules. Uh, he has, he's stage striked before. Um, I've, I've see, been with him, you know, the full gamut of his relationship with Melee and like our friendship and everything. And it truly baffled me that he did not know how many how many stages were banned after game one in a best of three, or and it just um, it really just like stunned me on a whole level and uh, taught me a lot. It helped me grow in many ways. You know, I I thought of one. Uh... What I actually a lot of these things that I've written down. You know, this is. Hey, this is very emblematic of melee stats. Melee stats is a very if you, you know, why, why would you do it if you don't put all your all into it? And I think that a lot of these questions that we've made for for Golden Guardians or for Five Days of Melee, I felt very proud of. But uh, one of the funniest ones that I think I've made uh, was on the third episode of Golden Guardians Jeopardy that they did uh, called Puff Puff Pass, where I listed three players and two of them were a puff player. You had to guess who was not a puff player. I thought that was very funny. Uh, every one of those clues had an internal theme within the larger theme. So Jerry, Albert, and Michael, all people who have first name tags, uh, and included using dumb things like STJ, JD, DSJ. <laughs> Just, I thought that was really, really dumb. I was very happy with that. Uh, yeah, that was that was from Golden Guardians 3. I, I mean, probably, hey, have you watched that? I'm sure we've got other great clues in there. But uh, that was a specifically fun one. Uh, Radar, you've been on the show before. It's been a it's been a minute though, 
So mm-hmm. I actually am not sure if you've been around for our last segment. We have an unnamed segment, uh, officially unnamed, but you know, all the fans know it as Touching Grass. Everyone knows it as Touching Grass. So this is our segment where we talk about stuff that's going on in our lives that are not Melee-related, right? We are multifaceted human beings. We have stuff that uh, does not include all this other stuff uh, you know, that we talk about for two hours. So... <laughs> While we spend two hours a, a week devoting to melee talk, we'll take about five, ten minutes talking about stuff that's going on. So while you are thinking of something that's going on in your life that is not melee related, I will start. Uh, recently, I have been. <laughs> I get this inclination every now and then. I am not a huge Pokemon guy. I, I of course have a huge nostalgic connection to Pokemon, uh, and I do like Pokemon. I've played the games. I <laughs> sometimes will buy the new games and not finish them but i i do like pokemon i just not super into it uh and for a while i don't think i've had a favorite pokemon so every now and then i will try to like i'm like this is the day where i get a favorite pokemon so i i did a little bit of a uh i don't know i just went through a couple different ones that i liked and just said fuck it this one's my favorite uh but i won't reveal that this week this will not be my talking grass segment for this week because i by next week i should have stuff to show it off uh This week, I'm going to talk about uh, something else that's been going on. So, of course, uh, it's the summer, I guess. Technically not, right? But uh, it's it's been very nice outside, been doing stuff. I had a few family parties over the weekend, uh, just like birthdays and baptisms and stuff like that. Uh, And I got to hang out with my sister a lot there. And she had just watched Stranger Things and asked me all about Kate Bush. And I was a, I'm a very good guy to ask about that because I like Kate Bush a lot. I've liked her for a few years. Uh, she thought I, thought I was joking when I said I liked her, and then I like pulled out. I've got like five albums of hers. Um, so I, it was very fun to to show Kate Bush to her, an artist who, you know, it's like when when nerds like me, pretentious little guys, uh, when like big artists or when artists that we like get big through like weird means, everyone gets a little weird, and you know, it's like cagey. But uh, I think Kate Bush is an amazing artist. Been obviously listening to her, been able to recommend her, um, getting the chance to like look back and like watch the videos. She's an amazing. <laughs> she's just like uh, a very like the the platonic ideal of a theater kid. When I watch these videos, I think theater kids are bad. I think uh, I'm a theater kid. But you watch these videos, and it's like so clearly of her own mind. Uh, my sister and I watched the Wuthering Heights videos and I was joking about how the director probably didn't know what he was getting into. <laughs> like, he's just like, all right, I'll just like place the camera here and we can like maybe do this. And then she's got like a whole routine going on. Uh, I think she's a very good artist to check out. I think that there's a lot of fun in looking at her videos or live performances. You know, very few of them, but, but the ones that she did uh, had that insane theater kid energy that were great. I would obviously check out the studio albums. And uh, the one thing to prove that I, I, you know, I like Kate Bush, I've liked her for a while, and a connection to the people here. Um, there is a video that exists on Ding's phone. Sam Ding, Ding's master, you know. Uh, there's a video that exists on his phone that he tried to sneakily do, but I played along, where we were driving home. We were driving back to his house from Edwin's wedding. And he put on Wuthering Heights, uh, one of her early singles, and we we tried to sing along in the very high falsetto. Uh, so there's a video out there from 20 what was that 2018, 2019, 
2019. There's a video from 2019 of of me and him singing along, trying to match this impossibly high uh, song. So I hope that I hope to God it never sees the light of day. But that's just a way to prove that I've been on this kick for a little bit. So check out Kate Bush and uh, I guess watch Stranger Things. I don't really care, <laughs> but sure. <laughs> Credit where credit's due. Uh, Edwin, what's been going on with you, my man? I've been watching a ton of movies beyond just Batman. I I think I'm done with Batman. I watched Batman Returns. Uh, no, completely. dude, you still have to watch Batfleck and Lego Batman. You're not done. Well, Put anyway, pain in his face. <laughs> just, oh. watching, watching Batman has inspired me to watch a bunch of other movies and write up reviews of them. So I've been having a lot of fun in my spare time just adding stuff to my Letterboxd account. And I'm hoping that by the end of the year, I'll have like a thousand films and I review every film that I rate. So it's been fun kind of gathering my thoughts on them for a while. My 100th film that I reviewed was It Chapter 2, which which came after my review of It, the first It, the um, 2017 one. Um, and the last movie I reviewed was Parasite, which I saw, uh, I think, like a year ago. And I just gathered my thoughts on it again. I guess I should be like rewatching it if I if I really want to make like a review super authentic, but a lot of it is just kind of, I mean, the fun is that letterbox is like a, you know, a social media platform where you can quickly put whatever like short thoughts you have or long thoughts you have on a movie. So I've been doing pretty short reviews for the most part, but it's been really fun. It's fun revisiting, uh, you know, movies from my childhood, even like rewatching a, a, a few that have intrigued for me again. Um, it's been really fun. If you want to check out my letterbox, uh, you can just search my real name in it or just search Edwin Budding in the search bar, all in one word. Uh, I think my, uh, you may not agree with my film takes, but I think my, my reviews are fun. I think you're but good. you must respect them. Yes. <laughs> Radar, I'm sure you're going to talk about lemons and how you love to cook with lemons. And I, I know you've got a beautiful lemon dinner tonight that we're going to get you let you get to. But... What's been going on with your life recently? Any, anything that you want to talk about? Um, I mean, I guess the like the big and obvious thing to mention is I am getting married in about like less than twenty days. I guess. Wow. I, I'm getting married June twenty fifth, so uh, there's just like a constant stream of like emails I'm cc'd on and like just stuff that I need, like very minor things, like hey, should we have like this many people at this table, this many people at that table. Uh, so that every day gets a little bit closer. I'm looking forward to it. I'm also really, really anxious about getting COVID, not being able to go to my own wedding. Uh, so as long as I can not get COVID at Battle of EC and, you know, get through the wedding smoothly, um, that will be very, very awesome. I will go into Gommel being a married man, which is kind of a strange thing. So that's probably the biggest thing, um, in terms of like what's taking up my attention. It's funny, you know, you mentioned Pokemon. Several months ago, I got back into like my old Pokemon cards and like uh, started trying to collect uh, that whole kind of like the the original Wizards of the Coast thing. So that that's also like a not as uh, recent of a hobby, but like a couple months ago, I was like I was obsessed. I was trying to get every card that like I had uh, wished I had when I was younger. So maybe those are the two. It's a good two to have. Uh, yeah, I mean. I will be busy that weekend, so unfortunately not able to attend. <laughs> is Walt going? Who do we have any melee people who are going? 
Not really. I think originally I was thinking about it and it's like we tried to keep it kind of like smaller. There was there was a whole world where at one point we were like Walt might be like the video guy for it because there was a world where we were like we had really short story. We were picking out photographers and we picked locked them in. They seemed really nice. COVID happened and they became like anti-vax and were like not able to film <laughs> that wedding. And it was a whole catastrophe. And then at one point we were like, oh my God, like now we need to get like a new video person. And Walt was like, look, like I could do it. So um, we didn't end up going that route, uh, mostly just because I thought like to have to pay to fly Walt out, it'd be quite far. Like, you know, getting someone local would be just a lot more affordable. But uh, that would have been a very funny, funny kind of crossing of uh, worlds. And uh, yeah, so unfortunately no smashers there. I think if it was uh, happening a couple of years from now, I can definitely see Smashers being there. But yeah, I think yeah, sounds like a fun event. Smashers or not, uh, I know at Edwin's at Edwin's wedding, there was uh, a little bit of a smash table uh, that was a little raucous. Yeah, they were the bumpus. yeah they were the loudest table and the and the, mm-hmm. like and like the, and this is not uh, you know like it was an Indian wedding right so kind of. A, a big thing so there's a lot of tables a lot of different spheres of my life a lot of different spheres of like my my parents where they're from like even people i'm not particularly tight with but like they just came because of like their relationship to someone in my family that's just like an indian american thing and i can say of every table the loudest most rowdy notorious one was the smashers table in the back and there are so many stories from you know based on that wedding uh, what happened at the venue, you know, trips to the venue, Ubers going to the wrong address, <laughs> certain smashers getting stuck uh, on the side of the on the side of the road in the middle of nowhere, leaving their cell phone in the Uber before taking flights back to their original states. A lot of lore behind that, but uh, I'm grateful that it happened. I there. do think 90% of the stories are from like 10% of the Smashers, though. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's a fair point. But but yeah, um, it was great. Radar, congratulations on getting married. Welcome to the club. Thank you. If I can uh, give you one bit of advice as a, you know, as a married man to a soon-to-be-married man, the moment you get married, the one of the best things about it is being able to talk about it nonstop to all your non-married friends and holding it like nonstop always sure. talk about how you're a man of tradition how you know like inserted in conversations where it's not even relevant necessarily be like well you know as someone who's married like you know my my opinion on this well, just as someone not- who's married i would probably get the cold lobster roll <laughs> yeah <laughs> everywhere you go and it never i'm looking old. forward to having that special special ability that privilege you know yeah, yeah. man when you when you when you come to shine, uh, I'll I'll take you out somewhere nice for for lunch or dinner, but I'll get you a special married man meal that'll that'll taste better, and you know like it and the the, the kind of thing that you know non married people would not they wouldn't about. understand it yeah, yeah right now like, I'm confused but I know in a couple of weeks from now I'll totally get it yeah yeah I'm glad you see, see you're starting to get it in a yeah, couple of weeks coming, you'll be right there well radar congrats on what's coming up with that with your wedding. With Battle BC with Gommel, I'm sure uh, you know you will kill in my commentary. So I'm ready for that. I'm ready to see this millionaire thing. I'm sure you killed it with that. 
And uh, I appreciate you being on here during all of this, right? You've got so many things going on and your willingness to jump on for two, two and a half hours and talk about lemons and try to defend your opinion on them. I appreciate that. So uh, you're a really great guest. It was great to have you on. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to see what you've got going on at Battle BC and, and Gommel and whatever comes after that. Absolutely. I'm definitely super happy to be on. I think, you know, even just saying with the wedding and stuff, this is honestly like one of the weirdest months of my entire life. Like it, these are by far the two, well, I can't say the, the Gommel spot yet, I don't think, but like big, big commentary slots coming up. I'm getting married. You know, we're doing this game show thing. There's so many things this month that I'm super excited for. And I'm glad I got to share a bit of that uh, today. I'm really looking forward to Battle of BC. I'm really looking forward to seeing if we any of these storylines we discussed uh, end up proving true. I'd love to see Amsa win. love to see Zane kind of cement his legacy. So I just want to say thanks so much for having me on. Um, of course. Yeah. And I'm always down. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting the check mark on the, on the jacket. Oh, you know, God. everyone knows about the jacket. Other guys. Oh, no. But uh, I will say the melee merch that uh, Pipsqueak, melee stats merch that Pipsqueak was wearing I was like, oh man, you know, I want to, I want to contribute my little like stamps. Like, you know, when you get like a free coffee after a certain amount of visits, if I ever get a Malia stats shirt, you know, after a certain hey, amount of podcasts, more, more to come to eventually keep an eye out for that. We've got, we're just dealing with a lot of things at this point, but <laughs> speaking about Malia merch, it'll be coming. Uh, stats merch that is radar. If people want to follow you, where they can, they do so. Uh, yeah, you guys can find me at uh, at Radar SSBM on Twitter. Uh, my YouTube is still youtube.com slash micromelee. Uh, obviously, check out Battle of BC. Check out Gommel. Um, yeah, I, th I think those are the main spaces. I mean, I guess Twitch as well. I've been also streaming on my YouTube a bit. I was doing some, like, analysis stuff. So, yeah, check out the YouTube. And yeah, that, that's pretty Sounds much where great. you can find me. And yeah, if you want to follow all the content that we make, you can uh, follow us. Go over, subscribe on YouTube. Uh, Melee Stats, that's where we're going to have all of our long-form content, our video essays. Melee Stats Archive on YouTube is where we're going to have VODs of, of this show and some other stuff here and there. If you want to watch the show live, you can do so on twitch.tv slash Melee Stats. Over on twitter.com slash Melee Stats Pod is where we're going to find tweets about uh, daily results posting and other stuff like that. MeleeStats.co is going to have Wednes Melee and Monday Morning Marth. And if you love everything we do and you just want to support us in any way you can, patreon.com slash Melee Stats. Radar, you've been a wonderful guest. I can't wait to see what you're going to be up to. And uh, probably the last time I'm going to speak to you before you get married. So congrats on that. And unfortunately, uh, you know, once that happens, I guess I won't understand you, according to Edwin. No, we will not just be, apparently we'll be so. Two ships in the night. We won't, <laughs> we won't be connected. Exactly. But uh, congrats on everything, man. Thank you for being on. And uh, thank you, everyone, for watching. We'll be back next week to talk about whatever happens here at Battle BC. See you then. Peace.